Florida State has moved to potentially pursue leaving the ACC. Friday morning, the Board of Trustees for Florida State met Blake, and they're going to figure out a way to get out of the ACC. Now, this is going to be a very long legal process, something that you are familiar with, but they are of the belief that the additions of SMU, Stanford, Cal were not improving the competitive environment within the Atlantic Coast Conference. And now here we are. Are they going to the Big Ten? Are they going to the SEC? This whole thing's a freaking mess. I Look, the whole big thing, and I said this after they got pushed out of the playoff, like this sets them up to try and find a way out, and this might be the end of the ACC. I don't think it's the end of the ACC. Florida State leaving isn't the end of the ACC. Did we say that, though, about USC and UCLA when they did this? That is true, okay, but they're not out of the ACC yet, okay? You still have Miami, you still have Clemson, you still have both Duke and North Carolina that are there. Well, that's what I'm trying – this is what I think is going to end up happening. Tobacco Row is what they call the, the Carolinas, I might add. Right. It feels as though that this opens the door for a lot of these other teams it to can. then pursue departures right. from the conference. And if Florida State leaves, what incentivizes North Carolina and Clemson and the rest of the teams that are in the conference, I don't think are really going to be as desired to leave or to be sought after by some of these other conferences. But Miami, Florida State, Clemson are the big dogs. And I don't see a reason why they wouldn't try to leave if Florida State does end up jumping. Let me just say this. Let me tell you my my first initial thought to all this. Number one. The lawyers on both sides of this are about to get paid. Barrett Salee, our <laughs> guest we just had on. Yeah. Dude, the Harvey Specters, if you're if you've ever watched Suits, the Harvey Specters, Lewis Litz of the world are about to make a crap load of money. They're the real winners in all this. But let me just say this. While I'm a little bit skeptical on the ACC not, you know, deteriorating like the pack. Because people still care about the ACC, believe it or not. There are still people that care that, you know, in the southeastern part of this country of what their school does. I still think this is going to be a long legal battle, and I don't know how it's going to shake out. I think ultimately Florida State is going to want to and try to pay to get out. But I don't know if any conference is going to add just one of them, which could lead to them trying to get SEC or Big Ten to grab somebody else. But I feel like that Florida State, which this goat cuts deeper than the playoff thing, this was going on before the playoff thing even happened. This started in the beginning of the year. Right. That they were talking about this. I think it's the ultimate dagger, okay, that they did not get in. But in my opinion, it's not the ACC's fault that they didn't get into the playoff. Okay? Like, multiple things can be true at once. You can... you're you're not happy with the money you're not making. You're not making twenty five to thirty more million dollars in the SEC schools and the Big Ten schools. That's that's completely fair. I understand it from a business standpoint. Well, then you shouldn't have signed the contract to stay in the ACC. Well, that was so long ago, though. That wasn't even that really that recently that they. It's a very long contract that they signed, and it, it was long enough ago where back when they were not far removed from winning a national championship, that it made sense for them to stick around. But now we're in this position where 
it it really doesn't make any sense. And part of what they brought up was how the next time around when they go back to renegotiate their next TV rights deal, the bargaining power that they have, the negotiating power that they have with whatever media entity that they go to, it, it's going to be significantly diminished. It's really going to be hurt. I don't think that Stanford or Cal draw eyes. Maybe SMU does a little bit, but neither none of those programs SMU really help will. them. I think SMU is the sneaky best addition that nobody's talking about. Yeah, I I don't I don't disagree with that, but I, I think that from Florida State's perspective, it doesn't move the needle. Here's what I will say though: what factors into wherever Florida State ends up going? They're pissed off at ESPN. They they absolutely are pissed off at ESPN. ESPN has more control over the college football playoff than the general public is led on to believe. You think they're going to the Big Ten? I, I think that that makes the most sense because also from the Big Ten perspective, they are geographically trying to spread themselves out to a position where now if you control possibly two teams in the South, if they pull another team with Florida State, the regionality of the Big Ten is that of a national conference. It makes no sense. Could you imagine Florida State flying from Tallahassee to Seattle, Washington to play a softball game? Well, let's remove that for a second because, like, I really think that of – Okay, hold on, though. Yeah. Can we remove that? Because that's a very realistic thing. That Ultimately, Joe, that is the thing. Like, not only are you flying there, you know what else you got to do? You got to get equipment up there. You got – there's so – and by the way, all the gear, like, you know how teams, every team normally, you know, like when I walk into a college football stadium, yeah. the opposing team has an 18 wheeler that they drove in days ago to get all the gear there. You're going to let somebody drive from Tallahassee to Seattle, Washington for a, for a football game. I, I mean, can it happen? Will it happen? Okay, sure. But that's on a regular basis. The Big Ten makes no sense to me whatsoever. If they're going to do this, they got to go to the SEC. Wait, I would throw this in there, though, that by the time that the Big Ten adds two more schools, they have enough teams on the East Coast to split the division down, the, the conference down the middle into two divisions. And, like, we don't – the reason why I said that you're gonna we – You're going to split them into two divisions just because of Florida State? And who's I mean who's the I think competitively I think it makes the conference more entertaining to have. they're literally building their own mini NFL with the amount of teams that are in the conference and the amount of representation that they have in the conference to have an east and a west division that is literally east and west not what it was previously like before where it was just the teams that were a little bit more eastern in the middle of the country and a little bit more western in the middle of the country you've got Maryland you've got Rutgers I I don't think that, that there's a limited representation on the Eastern part of the country that you couldn't split it down the middle and limit the amount of West coast trips. But I get what you're saying, but wouldn't the sec be incentivized to keep them out because of the recruiting that comes into, into this year where they wouldn't want another recruiting competitor in Florida. No, they don't care about that. I mean, they got, they got two in Mississippi. They got two in Alabama. They just brought another one in for Texas A&M in Texas. They just brought Texas in, and A&M's in the same state. They brought in Oklahoma. Yeah, but they only had one one team, really, in that region. I don't think it would matter. I think – okay, so here's – I agree with what they're doing from a business expense, uh, expense. I don't agree with them for paying – if they have to pay over $500 million, I think that's stupid, okay? Well, not if they're the ones – 
not paying it if it's private equity. Who's uh, it doesn't matter. It. It, it doesn't matter where it comes from. You know why? Because what happens if you get in a jam and you need to go to boosters for money? And here's another thing. You're having to pay that to the ACC. So, you know, you just asked me a question why I thought the ACC wouldn't go down. Joe, you're about it. Let's just say Florida State leaves. Let's just say for whatever. Let's say they settle and they have to pay $250 million to leave. Okay, whatever, whatever it is. Joe, the bottom line is you're giving a conference a quarter, at, at minimum, a quarter of a million dollars to leave. They're not going anywhere. Well, wait, but the same thing kind of happens here with the Pac-12 where they're sitting and on $400 nobody, million. Dollars giving them, but nobody was giving them a half a billion dollars to go somewhere. They were. It wasn't happening. What I'm saying is, and, and okay. to your point, I still think that it's a great business move because you're not – you know, obviously, you're not get, getting the extra thirty million dollars a year, and you're playing. You'd be playing a long game to to gain that back. I, I I understand that, but in reference to what conference you need to go into, okay, the SEC is the only logical sense. Your close closest away game. What is it? Jersey, Rutgers. That's the close closest away game you might have. That's What's another three big hour flight? That's a three hour flight. Joe, Maryland is closer. Wait, wait. Maryland's a three-hour drive to what Miami, whatever that is. I don't know what. Maybe it's longer than I'm sure it's longer than that. Yeah, but it's not. It's not a massive difference. They're not that far away from Atlanta and playing Georgia Tech. It makes no logical sense for them to go anywhere else. Here's the thing: they okay. can be mad at ESPN. They can be mad at the ACC. Good on them. I, I don't hate them for doing that, but. Joe, I swear to God, if I see something else about from the Florida fan base about Kirk Herbstreet, or if I see something else from their fan base about um, the ACC screwing them, I, I, I'm just like, make the move then, man. Make the move. Now, I think that Jim Phillips did a good job today. You know, I was reading a lot of the stuff Dellinger and those guys were putting out. I, I'm, we, I stand with you. If you want to do it, I, I stand with you. That's your decision. But let's not act like there's not one decision that you got to make and where you need to go. Now, <clears throat> I, I I will say too, I think they know where they go. They're not going to leave without knowing where they're going. Well, I'm sure that I see. I, I saw that floated out there, and I think that it's it's a statement that makes sense. But I I think it's less of they know which conference they've picked and they know which one they're going to be playing in rather than it's, it's probably more likely they've talked, they've spoken to entities in both conferences and they know that there's at least mutual interest from both conferences. But I get what you're saying that they're not going to leave and just hope that somebody wants them. They're not going to pull a, uh, a San Diego state and try to jump to the Pac-12 and then realize they too late the it doesn't work. Pokey. They played the hokey pokey with the Pac-12. They yeah, put but they're their not... name in. They put their name out. They're not the... But they're not San Diego State, though. They're one of the largest national brands in the country with one of the biggest yeah, fan right. bases in Florida. Sure. They'll have their pick. They'll be able to decide where they want to go. And I think that they're probably going to weigh their options. And I still believe that they're going to lean in the big tens direction because of that capability to, you know, to stick it to ESPN in a way. You know what they could have done too, because what? they're going to make a crap load of money from the playoff, right? You're about to run a conference. And the truth, the truth is Joe, the next decade you can make the playoff maybe every time. 
you could make the playoff every time and make that money back that you're missing out on. I mean, I know you still would have a situation where you're not making $30 million more than the other schools, but I, I get it. I, I just it's not a it's not a I, I'm so tired, Joe. Let me let me end it with this mm -hmm. on, on my thought. I'm just okay. so fucking tired of realignment. I'm so tired of realignment talks. I'm so tired yeah. of all of it that you know what? I, it makes me want to scream. And you know what else makes me want to scream? I agree with them on one massive point. The one massive point I agree with them on is that college football does gets dictated too. They don't do the dictating. What do I mean by that? Roger Condell could walk into CBS's office and drop his nuts on the table and said, "You're going to pay me what you're going to what we tell you to pay us." And CBS really doesn't have a leg to stand on, right? Yeah. Like they can only pay what they can pay, and I and I understand that. But college football, for example, for the NFL, they have Amazon Prime, Fox, ESPN, CBS, all of them paying them money. College football is not like, for example, my school LSU is not going to be on NBC, right? Like it will never be on NBC unless God forbid they play Notre Dame and Mike Denbrock can't score a touchdown. We'll talk about that in a minute, uh, but you get what I'm saying? Like this furthermore proves a point to me that this, that this game needs a commissioner. Well, like, okay. So somebody running college football. Because you're you talk about the Wild West, Joe. We keep talking about every single day. Oh, I, I figured out what we need to talk about the two time right. transfer portal thing. Um, you did you see that today that you can just transfer twice and it doesn't matter? Like you could. It's, Wait, they changed that? Yeah, it got passed. The NCAA said we're not fighting it. So teams dudes okay. can just transfer twice and it doesn't matter. Anyway, That's either stupid. way, really stupid. Okay. You need somebody that can make decisions instead of ESPN dictating in these uh, uh, TV networks dictating what they can and can't do. ESPN and CBS single hand and Fox single-handedly have done what they wanted to in college football, and it's had no repercussions, zero. Nobody, they are killing the sport, and there's no repercussions to it. Well, because it's pitting these conferences to negotiate against one another, and I think that... Right. Look, the, the problem, the, the reason why realignment's bad is not because we are filtering out the weak links within the sport. It's because this is turning into such a slow-waging legal battle, and this is something that we're never really going to see in pro sports. We were far too young or not alive when there were mergers going on between the, the AFL and the NFL and what happened when the, the USFL came around, all that other stuff, all of that crap is nothing that we've ever been exposed to. And the NFL is going to ride, you know, into the night, into glory because they have established themselves as the true entity. But right now, because there's so many independently operating pieces here, there's going to be so much of this for the next decade. And I think that the only way that we get away from this and that if we have a commissioner for college football is if it's under one large conference. That's the only way, or two large conferences that coexist together. That's the only way that we're going to get it because there's no way that three or four different Power Five conferences are going to be able to converse and cooperate consistently. It's just too much no, of a mess. You could do. You could have somebody 
overseeing transfer portal, NIL, and being able to be the voice but to the these NCAA teams. is never going to elect that. So that what we need is a singular but conference. The NCAA to, doesn't to elect have, it. But the NCAA doesn't have to. You know what the conferences could do? The conferences could form an hold on, hold on, could form an alliance. But they don't have, have an incentive to do that, though. That's the they problem. Do have, they do have will, an incentive. They do they have will, an incentive. You know what they they're will what is it? What is it? What's the incentive? Their incentive is is it single handedly overnight? If, uh, overnight, if you have a collective bargaining agreement type of situation, mm-hmm. NIL and the portal is over with. I, I just don't think that the conference current conference commissioners are going to agree. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be up to that. Them. Guess who Greg Sankey works for? The teams. The teams. It's the same for Roger Goodell. When, if you remember when Goodell, we're going way too long in this segment, but remember when Goodell did not want a team in Las Vegas and it was mm-hmm. Jerry Jones telling him, I'm getting all these, uh, you know, we're moving there and there's nothing you could do about it. He dictated yeah. it to him. Okay. These presidents of these universities, they can dictate things if they want to. I get that, but I just feel like if that, these conferences would much rather slow play it, especially the SEC specifically would much rather slow play this. Yeah, because they're until everyone because they know that everyone's going to converge on them. I mean, Florida State's literally leaving so that they have an opportunity to possibly join the SEC, and then you've got Clemson and Miami waiting behind them. They are in no rush to do anything. The slower they wait for everyone to collapse and come to them, the more power and money that goes to that conference and to the brand that is the SEC. Fair. Bet online remains your top spot for all of your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, NHL are all in full swing. Bet online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Believe. That's B L E A V for fifty percent off your first deposit that is a 50% welcome bonus bet online where the game starts former LSU offensive coordinator I guess technically too former Notre Dame offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock is returning to South Bend to be the next offensive coordinator of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish um Joe let me start this I'm just coming off of a hour-long show talking about this and from the LSU perspective. This makes me want to play Notre Dame as an LSU fan even more because it, it, it it's building a rivalry, Joe, and no game has ever has been played in this. No. Here's the truth, okay? And I will say this for Notre Dame fans. I'm an LSU dude, okay? If you think that I'm going to come out here and hate on Mike Denbrock, you're a damn fool. Joe, over the last two years, Mike Denbrock – has this are just his averages he's averaged over 500 yards in the sec he averaged over 40 points in the sec over 300 passing yards in the sec and over uh 200 rushing yards in the last two years that he's been here now in 2022 the year that they beat bama and won the west they were 24th in scoring and this year we know what happened they were the number one total offense in the country number one scoring offense in the country and their quarterback won the heisman trophy Mike Denbrock is a hell of a good play caller. I know Mike personally, 
Joe, you saw the conversation that we had or that I had with him. I, I like Mike Denbrock a lot. I was told very close, reliable source. <laughs> Can't get any closer. I, I think this had a lot with him wanting to do to go home. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't fault him. I think Notre Dame got better today. And especially getting a guy like Riley, uh, Riley Leonard, you've gotten better. I'm going to save one part of this because I don't want us to start this segment off yelling, but I do think that there's one thing that nobody is accounting for in all of this of him moving from LSU to Notre Dame. But what are your thoughts, my man? And I will admit, Notre Dame fans were in my DMs. Luke said he was never going to come here. All right, you're right. I was wrong on that. Well, I, mo- most Notre Dame people did not think that he was going to come here. I mean, the, I the Notre Dame. Because, Joe, he just turned down Texas A&M, and A&M was going to make him the highest-paid corner yeah. in the country. And LSU matched both teams. I was told from an LSU source today, LSU matched both. They matched what A&M offered. They matched what uh, uh, Notre Dame offered. So, with that being said alone, he just wanted to go home or closer to home. I, so to, to add into that, we have a, a Notre Dame show on the network that I produce and CJ Procise, former great Notre Dame running back was a third round pick. He talked about on the show how he had such a great, he has such a great relationship with Mike Denbrock. And as much as it would be great for him to come back to Notre Dame, he also believed that he didn't think it was remotely possible. So most people in the Notre Dame community did not think that this was going to happen. I didn't think that this was going to happen until I got a phone call uh, that woke me up this morning from somebody on the East Coast that 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 reached out to me about this. And then I heard it from a couple different spots. And then I called you to kind of talk about this whole thing. Plain and simple, Blake, I'm trying to be a little cordial about this, but I got, I'm taking my one shot here. Dude, I told I, you not to be cordial. I think it's hilarious that the whole offseason and the whole season that you said that Notre Dame will never get to where they need to be unless they're willing to spend the money. And unless they're willing to go after and go get a real offensive did you coordinator, not say that's the not your exact thing. I did. I'm I'm just saying specifically with what was said on this show that we talked so much, and I agreed with you that they needed to spend the money and they needed to get a real offensive coordinator that wasn't Jared Parker. And it just so happened the guy that we never considered until the final hour, until Kirby Moore turned us down and got an extension, was the offensive coordinator at LSU that was Brian Kelly's close personal friend. It, the whole thing is hilarious. That's but all I, I'm just here, throwing in there. I'm excited, but situationally, the whole thing is freaking hilarious. But, Joe, we talked about this last week. We talked about it on our show. Go watch the clip if you hadn't seen it. Yeah, yeah. We talked about, like, go – what did I say? My exact words were, Joe, I like my offense like I like my women's legs. Spread. That's exactly what Mike – did you – do you not remember me saying that? I do remember you saying okay. that. It was really unhinged. They went and got that with Mike Denbrock. They paid the money to go get him. Good on them. No, they did exactly. I'm not going to sugarcoat this from a Notre Dame perspective. They did exactly what I told them. Like, hey, if I'm a Notre Dame fan, let's keep it real. It, they did exactly what they needed to do. I, I mean, why would I sugarcoat that? What right. would you think I'd say? Right. No, I know. I get what you're saying. I'm just just pointing out <laughs> not the irony of your statement, just the general irony of the criticism that has been from the non-Notre Dame fan public has said about Notre Dame. So wait, here is my- saying that Marcus Freeman and the Notre Dame uh base did this despite me? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's exactly what it sounds like you're saying. No, 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 no. That's I'm just merely I'm just merely pointing out 
that a large, large amount of the LSU fan base was saying that Notre Dame will never get where they need to be unless they spend the money. And here they are this whole offseason. They've spent the money. That's my biggest takeaway from all this. And I said it the minute that they went after Riley Leonard, the minute that they went after some of the top receivers that were in the portal, some of the top recruits. They got their first five-star receiver since Michael Floyd. They got all these really talented linebackers and defensive ends that they added in this recruiting class. Yes, LSU finished ahead of them. Notre Dame still had a phenomenal recruiting haul. This is the direction that they needed to go in. This is exactly what Marcus Freeman needed to do. What held them back over the past two years is him being a young head coach surrounded by young coordinators outside of Al Golden, specifically the two offensive coordinators that were not going to situationally help him when the shit was hitting the fan. And now he does not have to have everything on his shoulders. He's got Mike Denbrock, who's been around for uh, so long in college football. Are and you Al Golden, buddy Mike Old? Well, he's in his late 60s, 70s, whatever it is. He's not in his 70s. Yeah, he is. He's, Mike Denbrock's old. He's uh, 70. Uh, I'm going to check that in a second. All right. And he's got Al Golden, who's a former head, head coach. coach at multiple, right. multiple places. I was out on Marcus Freeman for a part of time. I'm stupidly going to get back in, but this is exactly what they needed to do. If they weren't going to get Kirby Moore, and if he was going to leave, you had to make a big splash. And he put his nuts on the table. He said to the new president, if you guys want me to succeed, let me spend the money. I'm not promoting another assistant. We need to go and get somebody. And this is the biggest person you could have gotten. He was the top of everybody's wish list for multiple teams across the country. And this is what they needed to do. I agree with all of that. I I, I can't argue that. I, I mean, they did. And, and good on them, Joe. If they want to take – they're doing what for Marcus Freeman what it felt like they wouldn't do for Brian Kelly. Am I wrong in saying that they're doing for Marcus Freeman what they did not do for Brian Kelly? Yeah. No, I, I mean, this is something that I've said multiple times, that there's now more leniency with admissions, there's more leniency with transfers, and they're spending more money on assistance. You're absolutely right. Let me just say this. I love Mike to death, but I know you got Riley Leonard. I know you got a good offensive line, good running back core. Mike's offense was predicated in the success at LSU for obviously a couple of reasons, but, and I'm not, and look, when I say what I'm about to say, okay, this is not discrediting the way and what the plays that I thought and the scheme that I thought that Mike Denbrock called. I, I loved it. I thought he did a fantastic job, but. He had the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback the last two seasons, okay? Mm -hmm. The caliber of dude that was progressing that, quite honestly, from an LSU's perspective, a dude that had and mirrored Joe Burrow-like regular season statistics, and he has potentially two first-round wide receivers. He has a potentially second well, a guy that came from Notre Dame, ironically enough, and three guys along LSU's offensive line that are NFL dudes right now, okay? What he had to play with at LSU is going to be different than what he has to play with at Notre Dame. And you can get mad at that. But are, are you a 1,000% sure that you have dudes like Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors on that team? You've said to me on this show, and you've pointed out to me on this show, that Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. weren't even the most highly recruited kids 
in that receiver room. But but hold on. Before you go forward, that's not that's not just a a one-time thing for LSU. There was a guy like Justin Jefferson who was a two-star. There was there are the, LSU has had multitudes of those. You know who else had a couple of them? Who? Joe Brady. Okay, you know who but, else had a couple of them? Jimbo Fisher. I you understand. Know who else had a couple of them. Less Miles. I so, understand what you're trying to get at that that this is a history of LSU of developing lower quality receivers. But well, they're, they're just not you know two four. Sorry, low, low, lower rated receivers. Lower quality right. is the wrong. It, it's a negative term. Notre Dame has a room full of four stars. Like as much as it seems like they haven't recruited the position, they have a lot of four stars, and they're bringing in a five star kid this year. They have bodies, and they now have have a coach who knows the scheme. Brian Thomas, right now, is my question. But two years ago, did you think that Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors were going to be what they were? So glad you asked. I maybe Malik neighbors, but you wait, wait, you said to me on the show when I brought up how Jane Daniels was throwing to NFL wide receivers when I was trying to claim when I was trying to push back on the whole Heisman conversation. I remember distinctly you had the argument nobody knew who Brian Thomas Jr. was before this season. It doesn't matter what they knew about him in the beginning of the season. Look where he's at right now. What but why can't was, why can't Notre Dame has the guy? It's not like they're pulling from two LSU stars. He's an army. LSU has a track record of, of dudes from the state of Louisiana become Joe. Who are the two best That's receivers? Not correlative. There's no correlation for that. That's just guys happen to be from the region that end up being good football players. Joe, if I told you that a specific number of quarterbacks are coming from the same region every year and winning Heisman's and becoming great NFL quarterbacks, what would you say? No, okay, yeah, I would say that a lot of those guys okay. come from that region. So then you have to do it the same thing. Oh, you know what it's called? It's called California. But Notre Dame also produced guys that were three stars. Like name, Kyron a, name a good wide receiver in the league that Notre Dame has right now. Will Fuller, before he got hurt, was a great NFL wide receiver. And Kyron right Williams was a three-star I running back. Right they take and they Will Fuller, three stars all of the time. And, and Will Fuller can't – Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson take bigger shits than Will Fuller. I, I, I look, I get that, and I understand that there's pride in the talent that comes from the state of Louisiana and from that so area. They did it but twice in but, the last five years, you've uh, never even remotely come close to a offense that LSU has fielded in nineteen, and what they did this year. Not even you went to the college football playoff with Ian Book, with Ian Book and Chase Claypool, who sucks in the NFL. Joe, we did that with Joe, Brian Kelly. Joe, we won a fucking national title with Les Miles and Ed Orgeron's dumbass. What the fuck are you talking about? I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I think it's ridiculous to assume that Denrock's going to show up and that he can't develop the talent. I didn't I, say that. I didn't that's say what you're that. Implying. No, that's, that's not what, you're what implying. I'm implying. Hold oh. on. Hold on. That's not what I'm implying. What I'm applying did you just like completely unplugged everything? I just knocked my mic off of there you did. continue. Okay. Go ahead. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is to assume that it will be the same at LSU this go-around. Hold on, goddammit, <sighs> like it is at Notre Dame when you – Joe, he's got the fucking Heisman Trophy winner. Yes, I don't think that that's going to happen. To assume that they're immediately going to okay, go to exactly what happened. About? 
I'm arguing that there's still going to be a million light years. Well, okay, wait, here, here's, the, here's the very important aspect of this. Very important aspect of this. Notre Dame finished nine and three in the regular season. So did LSU. Their three losses in their worst games came the result of shitty, piss poor offense. They would have been Ohio State had their offense had any any competence. They would have beaten Clemson for the same deal, and they would have beaten Louisville for the same deal. And LSU lost to the SEC wait, wait, champion, we're not, the ACC champion. We're not talking about. Wait, 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 I'm not comparing the two of them. I'm not comparing the two of them. I'm not talking about LSU. My point is is that Notre Dame's offense was so bad and their defense was so good, it was so freaking good, that as long as this offense gets 70% better, it is good enough to take a huge step forward to be in that top five conversation. Where did 70% come from? I'm just throwing a number out there. (laughs) I also implore anybody to go look at Notre Dame's 2024 schedule. We looked up Syracuse's schedule. Notre Dame has one hard game, and that's Florida State. If you want to count USC too, you can, but I don't. Notre Dame with Denbrock as their offensive coordinator, and Riley Leonard, a top 50 caliber NFL draft quarterback. Debate me if you idiots in the comments think I'm wrong. I'm fucking right on that. That team is good enough to go at least 11 and 1. Yeah, because you don't play nobody, and you never do. We can win a playoff game with Mike Dembrek calling the plays and everything that we just brought in in the playoffs. I don't, I don't doubt that. Here's another thing. Your offense sucks so bad, right? Yeah. You were eighth in the country in scoring offense. You score, you averaged 39 points a game. How many yards do we rack up against Pitt? I don't give a shit. Yards, you told me three we weeks put, ago. We put on, 60 points on Pitt and you 50 on me, Navy. You told me that you put – it doesn't matter how many yards you put up. It only matters when you score. What? You told me that yards don't matter when you put up a lot of points. You're putting up your your top ten of the country in scoring offense. I and by my, the and, and by the way, it, by wait, the way, wait, wait, wait. Okay, but Penn State also did that shit where the 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 we, mediocre teams that they played on their schedule they looked fantastic, and then the games that they showed up that they needed to play competent offense, it was non-existent. It was that polar opposite. I don't give a shit how you play against Navy. And yeah, I bought in against Navy, stupidly. I don't care how you played against Central Michigan or Pitt or any of those teams. It matters how you play against Ohio State and how you play against Clemson and you, how, how you play against Florida State next year. You know what I think is funny? When Mike Denbrock was hired at LSU, y'all Notre Dame fans said he was a joke. I mean, now, I'm not one of those people. Now, now, I know you're not, but I think it's funny that you're praising that you wanted him back. Look, I think Mike's a good – I think Mike's a great – like I've said, I think he's a great play caller. I, I, I don't hate Mike – I love Mike Denbrock. I think Mike Denbrock would tell you he ain't got – he ain't got he ain't going to have the weapons like he did at LSU. And I, I, I disagree with that. I, he, he, he's not going to. I, I mean, and Joe, and here's another thing too. Last thing. Okay. You said, oh, well, we have all these four stars. Well, just throwing this out there. LSU's got four, five, four former five-star wide receivers in their – in their room, in their wide receiver room. They have four five-star offensive linemen in their O-line room. You're, you're One thing I will promise you, to my core, offensively, they're dominating recruiting. 
It's defensively that Brian Kelly is struggling. Brian Kelly is getting his ass whipped in some areas. Here, here's the truth. He's getting his ass whipped along the defensive line. Now, you want to hear a crazy stat? Okay. okay. If Brian Kelly would have gotten three defensive interior defensive linemen, just three, even three stars, okay, Joe, they would have been a top three class in this year's in this year's ranking. Three. Now, I think they're going to do some things in the portal. What I don't think people realize, and if you're going to put all bias aside, Joe, they got five or seven five-star dudes on this offense that Denbrock had to play with. It's it, it, it is different when you're talking about the level of recruiting on that on that side of the ball. Defensively, you're they're kicking LSU's ass. I, I mean, I'm not gonna. <laughs> you're not going to get me in saying that they're not. They are. They're flip-flopped. You're dominating defense. Oh, we got a five-star receiver. Joe, we got 77 of them. We got another one that was just uh, born. Okay. They're falling off on trees in this motherfucker. I, 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 I understand that what you're trying to, to you do. You might want to bleep out the motherfucker, but hey. When we don't we don't bleep, bleep out curse words. I understand what you're trying to do. At the end of the day, Notre Dame is in a far – far better situation. I mean, even if Jared, if even if Jared Parker was calling the plays, their offense could have realistically improved. But the difference now is that it has more talent and it has one of the best offensive play callers in the country calling the plays. That's the, that's the whole deal here. That's the big takeaway. They don't need to be LSU to win playoff games and to get to the national championship. In my opinion, I don't think that they need, they, they don't need Malik neighbors or Jane Daniels. Yes, I jokingly tweeted Riley Leonard Heisman Trophy uh, season My incoming. In I thought that that was funny. Some people did not. A lot of people. Did I not. mean, you were doing a lot of people were me. 